Well, uh, it's, it's been an incredibly fast summer, and uh, we have two folks that have been with us this summer that have been an extra special blessing. I'm calling on Robin Lee to come up and word a blessing for Ozzie and Taylor. Seen these people because of the strange happenings for the summer. This is Ozzie and Taylor. You can see them on the screen at least. We're very happy that they've been able to join us for the summer, helping in our, our youth internship and in our children's intern. And it's been a good summer from what I've heard, at least. You've had a lot of participation as much as we could expect. They've had to be very innovative about the way they've done things. So we've had to learn how to do things online with children, Zoom meetings with children, a little bit different and unusual, challenging to say the least. But I think, and I hope you've enjoyed the time here, and that's good. We'd like to have a prayer blessing over these two um, because this is their last Sunday with us, as Alan said, and we really are glad that they've been able to be with us. Let's bow together. Father, we're thankful for who you are. We're thankful that we've had time to, to work with our children, with Ozzie and Taylor being there to kind of guide through the summer and with their internships. And Father, we're, we're thankful for their innovativeness and their ability to, to hang in there and, and work with those who are able to work with them online and for when we could do it in person, that we did everything in accordance with the, with the rules that we had in town. But Father, we know that you've been served in that, in the work that they've done here through the summer. And Father, we're hopeful that your spirit has shown to our children and shown to those that they've been working with and, and they can see that, that you're still here regardless of the way that we've had to innovate and make our, our meetings different and our times together different. And, and Father, we're grateful that you've guided us in that. And we'd ask that you'd, you place a little extra spirit on these two as they go back and get ready for going home. Father, keep them safe, keep them energized, and with a willingness to, to continue to work with the teens and with the children in the future. Father, we've been so blessed that they've been here. Um, we wish it was under different circumstances, but we're sure that they've continued to provide help to our children, help them to grow and to learn and to be excited about who you are. Father, again, we'd ask that you watch over them, watch over our congregation as we continue through the rest of the summer, help things to go well. It's through the name of Jesus that we pray. There is love that came for us, humble to a sinner's cross. You broke my shame and sinfulness. You rose again, victorious. Faithfulness none can deny through the storm and through the fire. There is truth that sets me free, Jesus Christ who lives in me. You are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen, Jesus you are Lord of all. No your name. 
so much for loving us, Lord. Thank you so much for taking great care of us, God. Lord, at this time, I ask that you can be with us as we continue this service, Lord. I ask that you can be with those that are putting things together, Lord, so that we can fully serve your name during such a hard time. God, I want to thank you for all of the mission work that has been going on for your kingdom. Lord, I want to thank you for this congregation and the support that they are giving to the Impact um, Church of Christ in Houston, Lord. Thank you so much for the work that they do, Lord, to reach those that are just having a hard time to get to you fully, God. I pray, Lord, that you can guide us in the way that you want us to live for you, God. I pray that you can be with the leaders of this nation, Lord, so that things can get back to the way that we know it to be. Lord, again, I pray that you can guide us and protect us so that we can fully serve you, Lord, so that we can be fully at peace in your name during such a difficult time. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given Taylor and I, Lord, to be in this congregation, Lord, so that we can serve the members of this congregation. Thank you for the support that they have given us, and thank you for the support that they have given your name. I ask that you can continue with us as we continue on with this service, Lord. Please watch us and direct us, and it's in your name we pray and give thanks. Amen. You are good, you are good, when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love, on display for all to see. You are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace, when my fear is crippling. You are truth. You are truth, even in my wandering. You are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, in you death has lost its sting. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever reign. You are more, you are more than my words will ever say. You are Lord, you are Lord, all creation will proclaim. You are here, you are here, in your presence I may hold. You are God. 
You are God of all else I'm letting go. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world. Close enough. One, two, three. <laughs> awesome job. Good job. Everybody, hi kids. It's good to see you. This is my granddaughter. You've met her before. This is Callie. And this is her mom, Elise. Hi. When Elise was her age, there was no one, two, three. There was no waiting for her. When Elise was her age, you just walk in the door and you just be better be ready because somebody was going to come jumping out at you. And uh, was one of those very special kinds of things. So thank you, Callie. You're welcome. Psalms 18, verse 29. We're going to read more of that Psalm 18 a little bit later on. But Psalm 18, verse 29 says, With your help, with God's help, with the Lord's help, I can advance against a troop. I can advance against an army. And then this statement, with, with my God... When you're with me, I can scale a wall. Truly really isn't something that necessarily we think about very often, but the idea of uh, in, in a battle of, with a walled city that you would have to at some, some point eventually be able to scale and get over a wall, and you don't really know what's on the other side of it, but David says, uh, I'm happy to advance against difficult odds because you're with me, because your joy... My, my life is about seeking your joy, and your joy gives me the strength to do that. And then that trust that says, I'll scale a wall, and some versions say, I can jump over a wall, is a powerful statement of, I trust you, God, that you'll take care of me, whatever's on the other side of that wall. You've heard the idea of a, a leap of faith. And to a certain extent, you heard Callie say, wait, come a little closer because we get nervous when that distance is too far. And yet she came. And one of the reasons she came and she, she got to that point where she leaned out and, and you eventually get to the point where you, you've got to go. And one of the reasons she would lean like that, one of the reasons she would go like that was because she trusted me. When Elise jumped out of nowhere when she was little. She trusted that I was going to catch her and I can't. Think of a single time that I dropped her. I didn't necessarily catch her as well as I should have every time. In our fourth, fifth, and sixth grade class on Wednesday nights, we're talking about uh, the power of the Bible as something that we can trust. And, and one of the things that we've talked about is that we can trust, God, trust the Bible 
because of who, who it comes from. Second uh, Timothy tells us that the Word of God is inspired. In reality, the literal trinity is God-breathed. And so if God breathed into it, we can trust it. And that's probably the most important thing about trusting our Bibles. We have the ability to leap into God's arms. We have the ability to jump over a wall, to scale a wall, no matter what's on the other side. And to a certain extent, we always are given that opportunity to say, God, I trust you. And the best part about it is that no matter how big the wall, no matter how far the jump, no matter what, if we say, God, I'm coming to you, God's going to catch us. He is trustworthy. We can leap into his arms, and his arms are always big enough, strong enough, and skillful enough to always, always catch us. So thanks, God. Psalms 18, 1 through 3, and 27 through 33. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. You save the humble, but bring load those whose eyes are haughty. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord, and who is the rock except our God? It is God whose arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. And the whole church said? Man, I, I don't know about you, but I, did anybody at home when we sang, Come let us sing for joy of the Lord, let us shout aloud? I don't know if you could hear it in here, but there were a couple of shouts to God. Um, and maybe you remember from camp. And if we don't do the shout to the Lord and just say, "Woo," then we've missed a little bit of something. I actually came by that naturally. I have to tell you about a really great influence on my life. My uncle, my mother's sister's husband, Kay and Ann were sisters. And Kay married Gary, Gary Tolliver. Some of you may have bumped into him. He spent a lot of time over in Friendswood, either as the minister at the church there or also running a counselor, counseling center and being a counselor. But very early in his career, while I was still in college, he, he had kind of already gotten on board. And this is long before lots of people starting about, started talking about worship renewal and things like that. But he was discovering what it was to be someone who worshiped the Lord. And, uh, and for Gary, who grew up kind of wanting to be a cowboy... Uh, always rode horses. In fact, the, basically the end of his good health was getting thrown from a horse and having some difficulties that never really he never recovered from from that. But I, my guess is that if he'd have 
chosen any way to, to end his vitality, it would be riding a horse because that's what he loved to do. So Gary's not the kind of guy who you look at and say, well, he's just kind of at church to, to kind of punch his ticket. He's just singing the songs to make sure he checks off the box because he, he was a rough-and-tumble kind of guy. That was the way he was raised and what he wanted to be. But he discovered a great source of strength and joy in worshiping God. And I remember him talking about worship being this opportunity to kind of lose ourselves for a moment in that relationship with God and our trust with God. And so every once in a while, quite literally, no matter what song was going on, it didn't have to be come, uh, come let us sing, didn't have to be shout hallelujah, didn't have to be a number of those songs. You just, just hear Gary, just the spirit would well up in him, this, the strength of the Lord, the joy of the Lord would just kind of well up in him and you just hear this, woo! Like that. And, and I can really remember the last days of his life when, when the ability to say, whoo, was no longer a physical thing. But you could see him, even in some frailty, you could see his, his, his body kind of tense up. And you knew that what he wanted to come out with was that. And, and whoo, by the way, is just another translation for hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Gary was one of those people who set an example of what it was to fully trust in God. To decide that, that life was going to be about pleasing God. That life was going to be about trusting God completely. I don't really know where he came up with it. But he, at some point, he spent a time in Denton. And uh, we believe this is the source of where the song came from. We're not sure if he kind of commissioned it. That he found those words from Psalm 28. I can jump, I can advance on a troop, I can leap over a wall. But uh, the song went a little bit like this. I'm leaving out some of the parts. I'm just going to hit the highlights because I can't sing it all that terribly well. And it's one of those songs you kind of learned by ear as opposed to having a bunch of notes around it. I can advance on a troop, leap over a wall. And then it always had a hallelujah. And there were some other words in there, but th those are the first ones I remember. But it always had this big, oh, hallelujah. And talking to his children, Gary passed away earlier this year. And as we prepared for his uh, celebration of his life, for his funeral, uh, his kids, we ha have to sing that song because it represents who he was so much. And, and then, of course, it was the search was on to find out if anybody had any music so that we could all sing it together. But what everyone remembered about the song. I can advance on a troop, leap over a wall, hallelujah. And then he would stop. And it would be, oh, hallelujah. And it didn't matter how long the note was marked for, right? Because Gary was going to hold out, oh. And if you, by the way, I was at Friendswood Church one time when he led it. And the church didn't oh quite well enough. And he had him stop and do it all over again because it was kind of his theme song. Uh, maybe it was his theme song, and, and if you've ever noticed that I kind of attack the, the, the podium when I come up here, uh, I think one time I fell on the way up, it's in the 12 years of being here, uh, but he always had that leap up on, because he was anxious to talk about the Word of God, anxious to talk about the faith that we have in God and the faith that we have in Jesus, and I was blessed by that to a great extent. Psalm 18 is attributed directly to David. And by the way, that's not an accident. When we turn to 2 Samuel chapter 22, what we see is Psalm 18 quoted in its entirety. Would, I, I'm not going to argue about whether 2 Samuel quoted the psalm or the psalm quotes 2 Samuel. It's irrelevant because it is almost a word-for-word -word mirror. It comes from David. And what we know about David is that Paul, when he is preaching kind of his first gospel sermon, they've gone on out on that first missionary journey and we track where they've gone, but then he gets to Pisidian Antioch and he sets up to preach a sermon. And I think what Luke does for us there in chapter 13 is kind of represents an exemplar of what Paul's gospel preaching was about. Now, you're right. 
when he gets to Athens and he gets on Mars Hill, we, we have a slightly different sermon. It's shaped a little differently, probably because there he's not speaking to Jews. He's not in the synagogue or those who feared God, those, those Gentiles who had begun to observe the Jewish um, worship. But Paul says, as he builds this understanding of what God's relationship with his people was like, he says of David, David is one, is a man after God's own heart. In fact, what he does is he quotes God. He says, God says, this is a man after God's own heart. 2 Samuel chapter 22, again parallel to Psalm 18, is a summary you have chapter 21 just before it, and you have the last of da David's military battles. There are still wars that go on, but it is the last of his where he is personally involved as a warrior. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I read the text of First and Second Samuel, David is not the general who's sitting at the back and saying, Sick them, guys. David is the guy who just exactly like the psalm says is the point of the spear when they advance on a troop. And when it came time to get over the wall against the, the enemy that you were going, the first one over the wall, anybody want to anybody wanna question or think about this? David was the first over the wall. I'm convinced of it. David quits fighting military battles. His officers say, we need you to stay home now. 21 will kind of summarize some battles where the Philistines are finally completely defeated. And if you remember, the first military battle that David fights was defeating the great Philistine, Goliath. Actually, a, a brother or a cousin of, 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 a, of Goliath is mentioned in chapter 21. And that while chapter 23 and 24 will kind of summarize the men that David surrounded himself with, it will number the troops and, and make some other kind of wrap up his reign as king. Chapter 22 in many ways is kind of that, that moment. And there will be one more statement that, that will be recorded, David's final word. But this is the essence of who God, David is. He wants to say, this isn't about David being a mighty warrior. This is about God being a mighty warrior. This isn't about David being somebody who's full of strength. This is about David depending on a God who was full of strength. This is about David saying that the best times and the best things that I ever did were when I depended, depended completely on God. And, and the text is never one to pull punches on David. When David fails, it's because David takes things into his own hands. And he sees, I'm, I'm going to do the things for myself that I think God should do for me, maybe. Maybe you and I can relate to that kind of thinking. As opposed to fully relying on God, we sometimes kind of put ourselves in that place of saying, you know, no, I think I know what's best. But what we can know about David... Not only that he was a great warrior, not only that he, and this is so unique about David, David was able to surround himself with the greatest warriors of that time. When you read those stories of David's mighty men, you recognize, what are these guys doing being loyal to little pipsqueak David? Well, at least part of it was they saw the Lord working in his life. They saw what it was to trust completely in a God who always came to David's aid. By the way, even when David messed up, God never left him. And he depended on God to do that. The Psalms so often reflect David's efforts to say, God, I need you. And, and sometimes we may think, what, why am I praying to God that I need him? Doesn't God know that I need him? Haven't I prayed this prayer before, whether it was this situation or some other situation? Well, if you read the Psalms, you're going to hear David over and over and over again say, God, I need you. And that isn't the idea that David doesn't know that God is there to help him. It is the idea that David knows that when I'm in a difficult situation, when I'm in trouble, when my life is at risk, there is one person, one person that I'm going to reach out to. 
just like the song we sang just a minute ago. You're good when, when there's no good left in me. You're true when there's no truth left in me. When there's nothing left in me, I, I'm going to depend on you. And I'm going to go running into your arms. And that's exactly what David does over and over and over again. I bring to you Psalm 28. It's just an exemplar of what it was that David was always writing about. Read along with me there on the screen. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. The Lord is the strength, not only of me, but the Lord is the strength of his people, a fortune fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Be sure there's a double meaning with that anointed one. Not only David as the anointed one, but Israel as the anointed people. Not only Jesus as the anointed one that God rescues from the death through the resurrection, but we as his anointed people. The Lord is the strength of his people, the fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people. And bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd. And carry them forever. The Lord is my strength. My heart trusts in him. And because of that great trust. And because of my great joy in him. There is strength that is not of myself. But strength that is of God. You know, we've been in this series about the joy of the Lord. And, and again, the idea that the joy of the Lord sometimes get confused with, or we confuse the joy of the Lord with the idea that God's going to send me all these happy, joyful things. And the joy of the Lord isn't about all the happy, joyful things. The joy of the Lord is that we find our life so centered, so trusting in God, that that which brings joy to His heart is what our life is about. You say, right now, life has a, a few more struggles than I, I really want to have to deal with. But when we deal with the struggles of this moment in a way that reflects our love for God and our trust in Him, they become moments of joy. Not because it's easy, not because it's this momentary, earthly, temporary celebration, but because God's heart leaps when we reach out to our neighbors God hearts leaps when we decide that, you know, some of the boundaries that maybe we've put around ourselves, we want to tear those boundaries down. We want loving relationships with every single person that God puts around us. Maybe you're one of those people who are having some struggles financially because of the pandemic and the economic oppression that's come on us through this process. And yet you hold to God. You trust that he's going to care for you. And even in that financial distress, and possibly even in that financial poverty, there is joy because your life is trusting and focusing on God. A joy that may not have been discovered if the financial difficulty didn't come. And a strength that comes through that trust and finding our joy in what brings joy to the Lord, finding our joy in the Lord, it gives us a strength that we didn't know we could have. The question is always, of course, when things in our life turn, God comes to our rescue, God does what he does for David, do we then start to begin to think, ah, oh, well, look at how God has set me up, I guess I can do it myself, this strength is my own, this joy is my own, or I want to make the joys my own rather than God's. And that is where we fail. And we learn the lesson that David learned over and over again. There is no strength in me that is not the Lord's. There is no joy in me, no real joy, no everlasting, no eternal joy in me that is not the Lord's. And so I will trust him above all others. He invites you to trust him. Again, it's been a little bit of a theme through these, this set of sermons that we, we look at and we transition to this 
this supper. And I encourage you to get your elements available, your bread, your cup, whatever they may be comprised of, and have them ready. We do, and it is appropriate that we would remember the cross. But we're never called on to remember the cross that, we don't also, that we're not also called on to remember the resurrection. We remember the cross because of what it won for us. We remember the cross because we know when we trust in Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, we have God's strength in us and we are called to celebrate. When you read historically about the way the church celebrated the Lord's Supper, you discovered that it took several hundred years for it to become this somber, isolated kind of event that had more to do with sort of sacrificial processes than it had to do with a meal together where God sits or Jesus sits or the, at the head of the table and says, Come, I've prepared the banquet for you. Partake of all that I have to offer. You know, formal dinners seem to have kind of an etiquette to them. You know, we're, we're only supposed to behave certain ways. We're supposed to sit in our seat straight. We're not supposed to slurp our soup when we drink it. We're supposed to be sure. And, and I have this drinking problem. I don't know if any of you have this drinking problem. But if there's ice in the glass, I will figure out a way to be sipping my tea or water or whatever it is. And the ice will all decide to come to my mouth. And, it, and you know, and that's fine if you're in, in Whataburger. That's fine if I'm sitting at home. But when you're at a dinner party, you don't need to have that kind of drinking problem. When I sit down at the banquet that God is going to prepare in the eternity, in the new creation that he has for me, it's going to be really hard for me to sit there with all my etiquette because what I'm going to want to do is climb right over the table and jump into his arms. Because the joy in my heart won't stop. Because the woo! will be fulfilled because I'll be seeing him face to face. And so can you. As we transition to the Lord's Supper, I'm going to read the words from Philippians chapter 1. And Paul puts in such powerful ways what it is to live for God and to die as gain. I like the wording in the message partly because it's a, a little disorienting. You haven't heard it said this way as commonly. As soon as we're done with the reading, we'll sing a song and then we'll partake of those elements together. We will celebrate the supper that the Lord has invited us to. Paul's words from Philippians chapter 1. It's true that some here preach Christ because with me out of the way, they think they'll step right into the spotlight. But others do it with the best heart in the world. One group is motivated by pure love knowing that I am here defending the message, wanting to help. The others, now that I'm out of the picture, are merely greedy, hoping to get something out of it for themselves. Their motives are bad. They see me as their competition. And so the worse it goes for me, the better they think for them. So how am I to respond? I've decided that I really don't care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed. So I just cheer them on. And I'm going to keep that celebration going because I know how it's going to turn out. Through your faithful prayers and the generous response of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, everything he wants to do and through me will be done. I can hardly wait to continue on my course. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known. Regardless of whether I live or die. They didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life. I can't lose. Don't you just want to say, whoop! As long as I'm alive in the body, there is good work for me to do. If I had to choose right now, I hardly know what I'd choose. Hard choice. The desire to break camp here and be with Christ is powerful. Some days, 
I can think of nothing better. But most days, because of what you're going through, I'm sure that it's better for me to stick it out here. So I plan to be around a while, companion to you, as your growth and joy in the life of trusting God continues. In this life of trusting God continues, you can start looking forward to a great reunion when I come to visit you again. We'll be praising Christ and enjoying each other. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are a shield around us. You are a protector of us. You have granted us so much, and for so much we are thankful, and we praise you for your love and your kindness. Above all, we praise you for your love to send us Jesus, who came to earth, who taught us so many things, who lived a life of love and caring for all people. And then, above all else, he sacrificed himself as a way to bring us closer to you. And we are so thankful for that love and we're so thankful for that kindness and we celebrate now that, that giving nature that rewards us as sinners to live closer to you. 
We thank you now for the body that was broken on the cross. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Let us pray. Again, dear God, we lift our hands, our hearts, our minds to you, thanking you for the blood that cleanses us from our sins. We thank you so much for all that you've done. We thank you so much for your protection, your guidance, and your love. And we pray that you will always be with us and help us to be strong against the perils of the world, against the sickness of the world, and fear of the world, and help us to rely on you for that strength and protection. In Christ's name we pray, amen. going to take just a moment to mention some of our prayer requests. Again, I want to point you to our YouTube channel, to the midweek update on Thursday. I'll not re be repeating uh, any of those details. Uh, we are really thankful that Ron White is completely free of COVID. The county has proclaimed him healthy. We believe that Brian Moore, has Brian gotten his results back? Not yet, but we're anticipating good results from his follow-up test after his two weeks of quarantine. We do need to lift up Barbara Greenway, who we've been told has, has been diagnosed with COVID. And again, she's in Country Village. We pray for her. We're really thankful that Nell Brown is back home and seems to be doing well uh, after a long week of, of doctors and, and being transported all the way up to the medical center. We're glad she's home and doing well. We're asking you to continue to pray for Sandra Mullins, although she's home and resting. Uh, she's waiting for that valve surgery and, and just needs our prayers. Um, and Ronnie asked us specifically to pray for her. And also Mary Lou Leon asked us to pray for her surgery coming up on, I believe tomorrow, is her surgery for skin cancer. We also want to mention uh, the family of Pat, Pat Winkleman, the sister of Juana Cox. Uh, Juana had 12 siblings, and this is the next to the last one. So there's only one left, and, and Harold made us aware that she passed last Sunday. So let's keep that entire family in our prayers as well. Thank you for continuing to pray all summer for Ozzie and Taylor. We want to ask you to be praying specifically for Hope House and what's going on in Porto Alegre with um, Lindsay and her mission there. And again, we always ask you, in, or we've been asking you all month to, to be praying for the Impact Church and their work as well. You know, it's kind of interesting, this, this idea of, of I can advance on a troop and leap over a wall sounds very much the idea of, Father God, I want to put it all in your hands. I'm jumping in. I, I'm, I'm getting to that point like Callie did. I'm going to lean out here. And, and, and either I'm going to fall or you're going to catch me. I'm not going to leave anything in reserve. It's kind of amazing the way the waters of baptism symbolize that so powerfully. There's, there's, there's not anything left of me that is not going to get wet. Because I'm going to give it all to God. And the reality is that through Jesus Christ, whatever we give to God, He redeems and blesses and fills if you're looking for, for 
help in the journey of giving it all to God, if you're looking to start that relationship, if you are looking for help and saying, I've, I've got these things that are getting in my way and I want people to pray for me, I, I, I want to encourage you to reach out to different friends, send a text to somebody, ask them to pray for you, call them on FaceTime. If you want to keep it more confidential and you'd, you'd like for someone at the church to follow up with you, then, then send a text to 979-217-3300 and someone will follow up with you. We ask you, leap into his arms because there are no arms that are as dependable as his. Let's sing together. Father, we love you. Thank you for all that were able to join us this morning. Uh, we're glad that you were able to be with us in mind and spirit. And we pray that your uh, time with us has been blessed this morning. I just want to thank everyone for their continued financial support. I know it's been a difficult time to, uh, to, to gather funds and to, uh, to meet our budget. And so far, we're able to do that, and again, I want to thank everyone for that process, even though it's been difficult uh, not being here physically, but we're thankful for that, and we pray that that will continue. As you may have seen, uh, next Sunday, August 2nd, we will begin our, to open up our church and allow uh, members to attend, if you're comfortable doing that. Again, we want to encourage the at-risk church members to consider to continue uh, viewing uh, live streaming. Um, and uh, those that do attend, we want to encourage you to wear a mask as you enter and as you leave. And also we want to encourage you to uh, continue wearing that mask while you're here in the building uh, during service. So again, if you're more comfortable staying at home and viewing live stream, we encourage you to do that uh, at this time. But again, we will start opening the building up next Sunday, August 2nd. So continue to watch our Thursday update for, that Alan does um, on Thursdays, and uh, there'll be more information if something should change or if we need to make adjustments. Again, I want to thank the elders for um, making those tough decisions. It's not an easy process, but uh, we're, we're trying to look at the data, and it looks like um, we're going to proceed with that plan. As Alan mentioned, there's uh, many walls that we face in our lives, things that, uh, that we face, uh, whether it be a wall of illness, struggles with our family situation, with uh, our jobs, things that come up. And it reminds me of my time in the service when we uh, had an obstacle course that we had to run. And one of the things we had to get over was a wall. And sometimes you just couldn't quite make it by yourself. And so you needed, you needed your other uh, military personnel to help you sometimes, your other partners to help you over that wall. And, and that's the way we, we had to do that sometimes. And uh, I think a lot of times we need that in our church families. There's walls that we face in our families that sometimes we just can't make it by ourselves. And we have to lean on our 
church family members to help us get over those walls. And that's one thing this church has really done well. I, I'm really proud of the way we've stepped up when there's been a need in a church member, and we've reached out to them. So I just want to thank everyone for that and can pray that that will continue. Nineteen years ago, I had the honor of being selected as an elder to serve this congregation. And I couldn't have asked for a better group of past elders, deacons, ministers, ministry leaders, many that have worked alongside of me in serving this congregation. And I pray that my service has been a blessing to this congregation. I know it's been a blessing to me. It's been 19 wonderful years. Uh, but today, I'm announcing that I'll be stepping down as elder. And I want to thank every one of you for your individual support, your kind words, your prayers. And I know the support uh, that I've, I've received has been a blessing to me. Uh, going forward, I will continue to help and the uh, current elders, ministers, ministry leaders, in any way that I can, I'll continue to serve uh, this congregation, but in a little different capacity. And I pray that uh, you'll support the current elders and those that continue the needed work that's, uh, that's needed here. If you'll bow with me at this time, I will close with a prayer. Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to serve this, this church family as an elder. I ask your blessing on the current elders and that your spirit will strengthen and guide them as they continue to lead this church family up. I pray that you be with the ministers, the deacons, the ministry leaders that will continue the much needed work here and I pray that I can support them uh, in any way that, uh, that you see that I need to. Father, I ask that you continue to bless us and all that serve this congregation, those that, uh, uh, that kind of work behind the scenes sometimes that we, we just don't realize all the work that they do. And we pray that, that you'll bless them, you'll continue to give them the strength and the guidance that's needed. Father, we, the, the, there are so many struggles that this country is facing, the uncertainties, the anxiety, the, the unrest. And Father, we, we know that those walls that they face and that we face as a country that uh, your spirit needs to, to guide us. Your word needs to be involved in that process and we pray that uh, there can be a resolution to these quickly. Father, there, there's the struggles of illness, there are struggles of, of uh, family situations, work, whether it be jobs, financial situations, we know there's going to be a lot of struggles that people go through and father we we pray that your spirit will lift them up and guide them in their decisions father we're just so thankful for all that you do for us the word that you you've sent and for jesus that you sent down on this earth father we we know that uh, jesus gives us the path to salvation and he's the answer to many of our struggles and we pray that we can look to him for guidance and strength Father, again, we pray that your spirit will lift us up, keep us safe as we go through this week. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Spirit.